Well, here's a fun fact. The women's deadlift record in England is held by a British rapper who grew up in Saudi Arabia and has a degree in computer science from Oxford. And oh, by the way, he's a man. Now, that's kind of true. Kind of. He deadlifted 528 pounds, and in his words, he identified as a woman whilst lifting the weight. If it was an actual competition, he would be the champion female weightlifter. He was trying to make a point. The video of the lift went viral, and like anything that goes viral, it comes with a lot of backlash. But he has handled it in stride. He's a guy who lives in England. He spent the past few weeks now traveling around America, and he has some real interesting insights. He spent a lot of time in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and then came directly from there here to Texas. So he discovered a few things. Uh, He's discovered that MAGA hats are nowhere near as prevalent as Bernie signs or even Clinton 2016 bumper stickers. In general, he has found serious inaccuracies in the version of America that he has gotten from the media. Based on what the media has to say, he assumed the country was in the middle of some sort of apocalypse created by Donald Trump and the poor innocent leftists were in danger. He's found the opposite to be true. He stopped by our studios here in Dallas during an incredibly busy week, and we chatted about the things that are happening in his life. I think he has incredible insight, and he has a sharp whip, and he also is rooted in common sense. He has lived already at 30 or 33 a real full life of experience. He is a musician, an author, a fitness expert, a self-help guru. He recently is now a social commentator. He has amassed quite a following on Twitter, and he says things like just the other day, unpopular opinion, women wield more societal power and influence than men do in the West. Another one, if you fear for your job, your family, your children, now, Think about what awaits you 10 years if you keep letting the radicals run the show and set all the rules and the boundaries. Full of common sense and simplicity. Please welcome and enjoy our guest today on the Glenn Beck podcast, Zuby. Zuby, you are not political, are you? <laughs> um, not overly. Yeah. Not overtly, no. So is it, is, are you being dragged into it or is it that everything now in life is political and you, there's no escaping it? Yeah, it's um, a combination of the two. You know, I didn't set out thinking, okay, I want to go out and get political and get myself involved in all of this stuff, but um. Yeah, there's certain things that I can't let go by me or things that I'm seeing affecting other people or affecting myself and not sort of speak out on them. Like so. what is the what what drives you? What what to step into this world? Yeah. And you kind of did it by accident. <laughs> uh to step in this world, uh you must have had some inkling, mm. but now I'm gathering, I'm, I'm guessing, because most people would have had some serious ramifications for saying what they're saying. Uh, what, what, what's driving you? Well, what's always driven me through my music and everything else I do has always been the desire to have an impact on people in a positive way. And my music, I've always tried to inspire and motivate people to strive for their goals 
don't be afraid to go against the grain. Be honest, be authentic. Those have always been, people can go back and listen to my, my earliest music and that's always been the message in there. So as far as I'm concerned, what I do now is kind of an extension of that, trying to stand up for truth, stand up for authenticity and not being afraid to voice the things you want to say and to go against the grain if need be and to be true to yourself and to be authentic. Where'd you get that? Is that from your mom, your Man. dad, your childhood? Where'd, where'd you get that? A combination of things. I think a lot of it is just my own natural God-given type of personality. Um, as far as I'm aware, I've spoken to my parents about this and actually kind of asked them that question. And they said that since I was a child, I've kind of been the same, that if I set my mind to something that I will do it. And I've always been someone who works hard and perseveres and has always kind of gone my own way and not easily been swayed by the crowd or the masses. Uh, you know, my, my parents have always said, like, look, if Zuby's made up his mind to do something, he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Down to the fact of me graduating from Oxford, working in the corporate world for a couple of years, and then leaving that to go and pursue something as crazy as being a professional independent musician. You know, my parents totally have back, have supported me in that. Um, which is a huge, is a huge blessing in itself. But I think they know that look, if that's what Zuby wants to do, then he he's going to do it, whether or not we uh, that's what we expected of him, or that's what we thought he may do. That's just what he's going to do. So all of that kind of spills into what I do now. So I'd say it's a combination of just my natural personality, and then maybe some aspect of me growing up. But I think that's just who I am, and just how I'm how I'm wired. It's interesting in watching interviews with you. Um, how many sides are there to a tesseract? <laughs> Four-dimensional cube. How oh, many sides grief. are there? Oh man, it's been a while since I thought about this one. <laughs> I should have just memorized the answer. Yeah, <laughs> um, you are you are really well educated. Uh, you have deeply thought things out. At least it appears that way. Mm. Um, that's really rare. How old are you? I'm 33 now. That's really rare in today's world that people are thinking for themselves. Mm. And your tweets, let me just go through some of your <laughs> Oh no. Your tweets. No, no, these are <laughs> these are actually all good. Define yourself by what you support rather than what you oppose. It will immediately change your general mindset and outlook from negative to positive. Mm. Short-term problems are often long-term blessings. Keep moving. Uh, as I read your, um, your tweets, they are things that my grandmother would have said. Uh, they're things that my father would have said they were, they're, they're common sense, but Mm. we don't get any of that anymore. There's no such thing as truth. You said a minute ago. Mm. Well, I, you know, I search for truth. Well, there's no truth anymore and there's no common sense anymore, Mm. at least on, in social media. Yeah. Well, there it's, it's still there. It's just that people are shying away from it or trying to stick their head in the sand on certain things or just not talk about them, stick their fingers in their ears and say, la, 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 and act like it's something's not going on or act like something that can factually be proven is merely an opinion or if something is an opinion trying to disregard opinions that people disagree with and not even engage not even discuss and i think discussion is extremely important i'm obviously someone who values the power of words that's mm-hmm. why i wanted to be a rapper in the first place and um i think that 
you know, everyone's got an ability to use a voice now in a way that they didn't before. Everybody's got a platform. I often say with social media, um, the pros and cons are sort of one and the same. The great thing is everybody's got a platform, but the problem is everybody's got a platform. Mm. So people are now hearing the thoughts, ideas, opinions of anybody and everybody, which is really unnatural in a way. It's remarkable and it's amazing because you can build incredible things through it. The fact that I'm sitting here in this room right now, somewhat happened would have happened through social media, all this, all these places I'm going to in the USA, all these people I'm meeting and who I'm connecting with. It wouldn't have happened 15 years ago. No, it, no, it wouldn't have happened no. in, in this way. Certainly not. You know, I'm, I'm totally independent. So yeah. I've, I've just got, this has just happened mm -hmm. off the magic of, of social media and my own volition really. And that wasn't possible before, but on the flip side of that, you've got a lot of people who are out there, you know, millions of people, if billions of people who are out there using social media who aren't really using the tool in a, a great way, you mm -hmm. could say, and on, on a lot of different levels, on mm -hmm. a lot of different levels. I think it's, to me, it's just, it's a tool. Um, it's not good nor bad. It's like a knife, you know, a knife can be used to, to, to prepare food or to, to yeah. defend yourself or it could be used to attack someone or... Yeah or to kill someone. I think social media is the same thing. I don't think there's not anything inherently wrong with Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. Is it it's just, just how they use them. Is it just exposing who we are or is it changing who we are? A combination of the two. Combination of the two. Um, certainly, I think it's, it's exposing what people truly do think and believe in. Is that on, if, hang on. Is that even true? Because I, I, I read things, and I'm not sure that that's mm. necessarily what everybody believes. I think there are some. Yeah. I mean, look, we all had that crazy neighbor yeah. <laughs> that nobody talked to because they were crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that crazy neighbor is talking to everybody's crazy neighbor. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like, wow, there's a lot of them. No, there's the same number, and we used to dismiss them. Mm. We don't dismiss them now. Mm. Uh, where where we we think that it's just we're overwhelmed with crazy neighbors yeah and then there are the others who are just trying for fame just trying to uh, to be provocative mm -hmm. uh, because they want their time in the sunshine mm. i mean yeah it's a combination i mean it social media certainly does change people's behavior you know nobody used to take photos of themselves mm -hmm. 15 years ago really people didn't take photos of their food let alone want to post them up. So there is certainly, you know, people do seek approval and validation through that. Every, everybody does it to some degree. You know, there's, there's nobody who's built up it's a big human. Yeah. There's nobody who's built up a big following. I, I can't sit here and say that, Oh, I've never put something out there mm -hmm. with the desire to get a reaction. Cause of course I do. And when I make music, I put it out there. I want to get a reaction. You make a podcast, you want it to, mm -hmm. you want people to see it. You want a lot of people to see it and you want there to get a reaction. So that's, that's normal. I think the bigger danger is you're now having a lot of people, especially younger people who are more basing their value as a human being or their total value to society based on how many likes or followers or views and they're they getting will online. And that's adapt to that. Yeah, they will. That is the way to be accepted. That mm -hmm. is the power. That's the currency of our age. Mm -hmm. And they will do whatever they have to do to to fit into that slot. Yeah. And that to me, that's that's the bigger problem. I think there are certain worlds which people need to be able to keep somewhat separate. So you can go on there on your favorite social media platform and you can use it and you can enjoy it, but you can also step away from it and exist in the real world and not let that, you know, not let something, a stranger 
mm-hmm. a strange avatar with mm-hmm. an with an anime picture mm. um, <laughs> tweeted halfway across the world who you don't know and you'd never encounter in your real life. Don't let that person's opinion put you in a bad mood mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. Don't let that leak into everything else you're doing. To me, that that's kind of crazy. And if that's happening, I think that's the stage where people need to step away a little bit and just exist in the real world for a while and realize that it's it's all deeper than that. There is a real world, yeah. um, but it is being diminished um, for an ever-increasing, uh, exciting world uh, online uh, and uh, in the Internet. And uh, that uh, concerns me because we're not, we, we don't know what reality is, even in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have no idea. We're, we're so ungrateful. We don't see the rest of the world. And I don't think the rest of the world sees us. Uh, for who we really are, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what cartoon we appear to be, um, but I'm sure we look like a cartoon. You grew up in Saudi Arabia, That's which right. I want to get into. Um, you live in the UK now. How do how does the rest of the world perceive the United? When you think of the United States, or you think of how people you grew up with, mm-hmm. how are we viewed compared to how you are finding us? Well, I can only ever speak for me. Yeah, okay. I, I can't speak for, I wouldn't want to speak for the rest of the mm-hmm. world. With me, I mean, growing up in Saudi Arabia, I was, I've known lots of American people from the beginning. Um, I, I love most of my teachers were American. It's why, why, my, why my accent doesn't sound British, in fact, because mm. I went to an American school and all my teachers were American. So. And your father was uh, a doctor. He's a doctor, yeah, he still he, is. He was working for an oil company? In Saudi Arabia, yeah, that's okay, right. So was that taking care of all the oil people in that town? Essentially, okay. yeah. And your mom? Uh, so my mom used to be a journalist. She actually now works as a magistrate in the UK. Um, but yeah, she used to work as a journalist. She actually was a TV news reporter for a while in Mm -hmm. Nigeria and then in Saudi, she used to write for some of the local papers there. Wow. Okay. All right. So you were living in Saudi Arabia Mm -hmm. and then you moved to the United or to, uh, London or to, to England. Mm -hmm. Um, tell me how you perceived us. So my personal view of the U S is generally very positive. I'm a big fan of the USA and I like the, you know, I like the American people. That's a, a weird thing to say because mm-hmm. <laughs> there are so many people. Um, but for the most part, I think when I think of the USA, um, either from England or being here now, I've always viewed it in a very positive light. Does everybody? No, I don't think that's the case with everybody. I don't think that's the case for, for any country. Um, I think with any nation, though, especially nowadays when it comes to both the normal media, the mainstream media, what people are seeing on TV, reading in papers, and what people are seeing on social media is always going to misrepresent a place and the people Mm -hmm. because the focus is always going to tend to be on whatever thing is the most, um, the biggest outlier or whatever is Mm -hmm. the the latest outrage Mm -hmm. or what's the latest political division or crazy issue or thing that people are talking about or even crime. If you see a lot of the videos that will go viral, it'll be of someone committing a crime or people having a fight or 
whatever the case may be. So it's easy to, if someone kind of sits in that too long, I think they can develop a very negative view of almost anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if they themselves haven't ventured out there themselves and been there and met with those people. If you, if you live in the UK, for example, and you've never been to America and you don't know, maybe you haven't met a lot of Americans or know much about the country. You've got people who think, for example, that, um, Take something obvious that people really don't understand in the UK or in Europe, something like the Second Amendment, even some aspects of the First Amendment, but certainly the Second Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. Like people just, most people do not get it at all. Right? Right. If you if you stop the average British person on the street and ask them about it, and they just think the whole thing is bonkers, just ban guns, get rid of all of them. It's, it's crazy. Stupid, like what, right? And you then, guys are down to knives. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then if you talk crazy. to an American. <laughs> right. And then they say that. <laughs> if you talk to an American, they're like, what? Not even the police have guns? Like, this <laughs> right. Is, this, this is, is crazy. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you're coming from two really different, yeah. really different perspectives, which is interesting because those are two countries which have some shared common history, mm-hmm. share a language, are very similar countries in many ways. But even with those two, there are some real differences in sort of cultural perspectives and historical and political perspectives there, which can be really hard to understand if you, unless you really sit down and try to get the context of it and have a high degree of empathy and try to put yourself in that world. The same goes with, um, you know, I grew up in Saudi Arabia as well. Of course, it's a place which people have very strong feelings about. Um, very few people have actually been there. (laughs) Most people don't know very many people from there. There's a lot of stuff people don't understand, understand about it, but people still feel like they can, they can sort of speak for the entire country or the people or whatever. And I can, again, I can understand that, but it's, it's a big shift in perspective because the entire, everything from the way, from the governmental structure to the, the religion, the cultures, the customs, the way, the values, the way everything is designed from the ground up is really different in a country like that. So if you were to, to um, position it next to the UK or America, for example, I would say the, the prime, the sort of top American value would probably be freedom or liberty, right? So every, so lots of things are based around the idea that this is the most important value. So we want to structure the rules, the laws, the societies, everything to maximize people's individual freedom and liberty. Mm-hmm. Not every country <laughs> agrees that that is the most right. important value. And so if you understand that, then it becomes a lot easier to understand the way and reason why, whether or not people agree or disagree, it's easier to empathize with and understand why certain things are done the way they're done in a country like that. It's why our nation building nonsense never works. Mm. You know, we go over and we say, we're going to plant democracy. Well, that, that, what, what, that's our value. That's mm. the way we live our life. They, you have to want that and find that for yourself. And it fails because it's not them yeah it's not them so if i were in england i would think that the united states is a bunch of people that are really really super smart but they're surrounded by a bunch of people who are wearing red hats (laughs) who have guns and are absolute racist crazy people that just want to blow up the world Mm. some americans think that too though right (laughs) yeah i think some do yes uh What did you find about what did you expect coming over here and what have you found? Um, So 
it's been pretty well in line with my expectations. I've been to the U.S. This is my fifth time here. Mm-hmm. It's my first time in over 10 years, though. The last time I was here was in 2008. Have we changed? Um, not greatly, as, as, far as, I'm, as far as I'm aware. For those of us who are here, it feels like we've changed everything. Really? Yeah. Um, I haven't noticed it significantly. I mean, I've, I've been going to different states and cities. So everywhere I've been to thus far in California and Texas, which is... Um, those are two states I'd never been to before. Last time I was here, I was actually in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vibe was different. That was just before Obama got elected in 2008. Mm-hmm. So that was a sort of different vibe mm-hmm. in that sense. But in terms of the vast majority of things, I, I haven't really noticed much of a, much of a difference. Um, again, on the online world, it seems like everything is super polar, polarized and crazy and people are on the brink of some kind of civil war and people aren't talking to their neighbors and everyone's fighting with each other. But again, you know, I, I go out whether I was in Los Angeles or San Francisco or Austin or Dallas and I'm like, well, everyone's just trying to live their lives and work and get on with things and take care of themselves and feed mm-hmm. their family. And everyone's being cordial and civil to one another for the most part. So, you know, that sort of view of everything being super duper crazy and polarized and divided. I mean, you know, I think it, it's kind of like it, it is it is and it might be on one level but in reality it's not you know if you if you were to just go out there and go to the go to the center of the city or go to the beach or go where you're like no oh, you know things are Everybody, things are fine for the most part i mm-hmm. mean you'll find you know you'll find some people that do wear a MAGA hat mm-hmm. and are just going to be in your face and just yelling and screaming. And you're going to find those people who hate the MAGA mm-hmm. hat people and they're going to be in your face. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, we're not like that. You go, you go to the two most uh, different states in the union this trip. You mm-hmm. go to Los Angeles and to Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Difference? Uh, yeah, there is a difference. What's the difference? (laughs) Um, weather has been somewhat similar and both cities are very sprawled and spread out. Yeah. Um, I found, I haven't been out in Dallas a massive amount yet. I found out to be a lot cleaner. Um, (laughs) no cleaner streets here. No cleaner and uh, feels safer to me than LA does. Um, what, what did I say? There's something I said on Twitter. Um, so, because I, I spent three weeks in California and I've now been tex- in Texas for a week and a half, I said I felt I feel like uh, I felt like California was run by man in the entertainment industry, and I feel like Texas is run by God in the fast food industry. <laughs> I don't know how technically accurate those are, but that, yeah, that was just like no, the it, feel I got. I from. think that's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> we love our food in yeah. Texas. So and everyone's food. just commenting, telling me what to eat. Yeah. In California, everyone was telling me what to do. Yeah. Here, everyone's telling me what to eat. Like, you have to get that. You've got to go there. You oh, got to, is, is there anything funny. besides food? That's so funny. <laughs> um, uh, let me go back to London here for a second. Sure. Um, because first of all, I don't understand your, I do not understand your system. It is crazy. <laughs> People are bad crap crazy. Uh, but uh, there's something similar that is happening that I've been watching on the continent and also in Europe and here. The ruling class is not listening 
to the people. Mm-hmm. They're just not listening. I don't think they even care to listen. I think they kind of despise us. Mm. It's almost as if uh, they, just, they just believe that they know better than everyone else. No matter what we do in the United States, vote for Donald Trump because he's going to stop Obamacare and we're going to get our health care system back. No. Mm. They all promised they were going to do that. Once they had all the power to do it, they didn't do it. Mm. They didn't have any intention of doing it. You have Brexit. Mm-hmm. Every person I talk to uh, from the UK always says the same thing. I'm just sick and tired of it. I yeah, mean, they're just, they're just, yeah. they're going to do whatever they want. I'm sick and tired of it. I don't know what the British are like, but there comes a point to where when you say to the people, you know what, vote on this, mm. vote on this thing in particular, which we don't do, vote on this. And then we'll do what you say. Mm -hmm. And then you don't do. And in fact, they just passed a law, as I understand it, that now they can, they've passed a law that says they they can stay if there's no um, agreed upon exit plan. Mm. uh, They can't leave the European Union. And that can just be renewed like every six months, something crazy like that. What the hell is happening? Well... First, start with start with <laughs> with Boris Johnson. Okay. I've read his work. I think the guy's brilliant. I love I love his books on uh, uh, Churchill. Mm-hmm. He seems to be a little nuts, but who are we to say? Who are we to say? Um, but he seems as though somebody who is actually standing up and saying, "I don't care what you say; mm. the people say that's this. what they wanted." Yeah, right. Yeah, it's um, it's weird. I mean, to I don't talk. I get asked about Brexit a lot, as you can imagine, and it's one of those things. As you said, I'm I am in that group of people who just feel exhausted and tired mm-hmm. and bored of it. Um, I mean, oftentimes people ask me which way I vote, and I don't normally say it publicly, but I've I personally I voted Remain, so I was on the Remain side, and but I'm of the simple opinion. Well, okay, like my side lost, mm-hmm. so okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. Is it supposed to be a democratic vote? <laughs> that, that's that's the reason the, the the referendum came out in the first place. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I respect the result. So in the UK, you've got a range of different people. So I don't know if you've heard the term Remainers. So you've got the Remainers, who are people who voted mm-hmm. Remain, but are like, okay, well, leave one. So we're happy to concede. Mm-hmm. And then you've got people who people call Remainers, who are people who voted, yeah, who, who voted Remain, but are trying to do anything and everything. Mm-hmm to stop Brexit from actually happening. And you've got people like that who are actually, um, this includes some of the MPs, you know, some of the people in, in the various political parties. And, you know, for, for three years, I mean, nothing has, nothing has really happened. There, there's, there's been no progress. You've, you've changed prime minister twice. Mm-hmm. And all of this. And, the with Queen me, is saying she's going to fire him. <laughs> Do you believe that to be true? Uh, oh, really? I, she said I, that I haven't she, actually heard that. She asked whoever, you know, the Queen's advisor is mm. um, on how to fire a uh, prime minister if he does go through with Brexit without a plan. OK, that she's planning on. And this is the first time she's ever asked that oh. question. First time this would ever happen. That's, I mean, that's, that's new to me. I didn't know that. Yeah. The queen saying that if indeed yeah. that's true, that, I mean, she never gets involved. That no, she's be... supposed to be apolitical. Correct. The royal family is supposed to be apolitical. Correct. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I just think uh, my, my thoughts on it are very basic and simple. Like, if you're going to have a Democratic vote, then you can't just want to do it again yeah. immediately because you didn't get the result that you wanted. To me, that's that whole notion, that idea is a much bigger concern to me than Brexit itself. Yeah. See what I mean? And I, I believe in the UK. I think that the UK will be fine whether it stays in or it goes out of the EU. Yeah. I'm not... I don't buy the scaremongering on either side, right? You've got people who are saying, oh, if we remain in the EU, then all of this awful stuff is going to happen. I don't buy that. And then you've also got saying people saying, oh, if we leave, we're, you know, the price of all the food is going to go up triple. We're mm-hmm. going to have food shortages. Everyone's going to lose their jobs. The pound will crash. To- mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, I don't, you know, neither of those sound particularly reasonable to me. Um, Britain is, has a very strong economy. Um, it's a very powerful country considering how physically, geographically, tiny it is and it's been like that all throughout history and i believe will continue to be in the future we have um i think the problem is is uh what happened with the eu is people are proud of where they're from yeah. i don't care if it's a small town or your country you're proud and it doesn't make you a xenophobe it just means hey, this is how i grew up and i like it yeah um and uh and the eu has been trying to say if you're if you want to be Italian, mm. you are a xenophobe or a racist. Mm. If you, you know, you want to fly the Swedish flag, that means you're a racist. Mm. And I think the same thing is happening here in America. The only state that still is remaining that is a state, and it's because it was a republic before mm. it was state, was is Texas. Yeah. They still are saying, I don't mind the other states, but Texas is great. Oh, Texas. Do you know you one? Know? Do you know this is a slight slight sidetrack but related do you know one thing i love i've really loved about being here one thing i really like that the u.s does got flags everywhere Mm. the usa flag is everywhere Mm -hmm. you don't see the british flag in the uk (laughs) you very rarely see it right in some parts of central london if you're in kind of touristy areas Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll see it but you'll just be driving along along the highways you know driving between austin and Dallas, I, I saw hundreds of oh, U.S. Yeah. flags, every every shop, every, mm-hmm. and I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually something I like. It's weird. Um, to, to some British people, in terms of the American perception, there are some people who don't like, who don't like that. There are people, a lot of people who think that Americans are too proud to be, like they, th- they think the mm-hmm. American pride is too much, like the mm-hmm. whole, yeah, go USA, USA number one. I like that. <laughs> Maybe I that's like just that my from, personality. Like, I, like, I think that's cool. <laughs> I like that for all countries. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? I I love the UK. Yeah. I love the history of the UK. And it it's sad when you think you don't love it. Yeah. You don't find it special, you know? You know, I, I think people find it special, but I think they, there's something that makes them kind of like second guess it like oh is it is it okay to be proud like i don't want to oh, that's because uh, the english uh, have always had a yeah. butt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean I they're always like yeah, oh yeah you I, never I, know I, it, you listen to people who are fighting and you know you watch british tv or something and you're like they're about to either have tea or they're about to hit each other i don't know because everything's so polite always yeah yeah so it's, it's weird i feel like implicitly deep down most British people are very proud to be British or to be English or Scottish or Welsh or whatever. Um, but more recently, and I feel the same, I think the same in America too, but I think there's, there's that thing of 
you know, we're, we're living in the, just in a strange time in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, are second guessing or questioning or thinking, ooh, you know, that thing happened in history. So maybe we shouldn't be proud of this or maybe the American flag or the St. George's flag or the Union. Maybe maybe these are symbols of um, whether it's colonialism or or like you said, xenophobia or race. And, and it's a weird thing because I don't think other countries do that. I don't think anybody would. My family background's originally from Nigeria. I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I don't think anyone would go to Nigeria and see a Nigerian flag and think that this is some negative symbol or something well, like we, that. I, I mean, A, it's good. The, the, Western, the Western culture has, not always, but, but it tries yes. to learn from the mistakes. I don't think we're doing that now, mm. but when we're at our best, we try to learn from mistakes. It's in this, under, this, this misunderstanding, I think, of... I think the left believes that you can just, I don't know, you, you progress to just this perfect person or you have all the knowledge and these countries should have always known these things. Mm-hmm. That's not what people are. No. Your entire life is set up of one building block and then you learn something else. And you're like, well, that's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And then you learn something else. Well, that one's not quite right either. It's the growth. Yeah. And to condemn yourself, I mean, we're doing this in social media, to condemn people for what they did when they were 10 or 16 or even 30 if they're 40, mm. it doesn't make any sense. No. If you're that same person, mm-hmm. you might as well die because you haven't done anything with your life. Absolutely. And even weirder than that, people are putting blame and guilt and stuff from people off things that they themselves didn't even do. That's that's the weirder thing. So you've got that on one one side, you know, holding people... But is it ransom for things they they did went twenty years ago? But then you've also got you know oh this thing happened three hundred years ago so let's hold anybody who fits into certain demographics to these things now and I'm just like that's really the wrong way to be the wrong way to be looking at all this. But isn't it? Oh boy, I'm gonna step in it on this one. Isn't that almost a very English way to look at it? How so? I was thinking this week. I heard somebody say, well, Sir Paul McCartney, and I went, Sir Paul McCartney. You imagine being knighted, in American point of view. Imagine somebody saying, oh, you're a knight. Now everybody has to call you sir, and you're somehow or another a little more, you're a little better than everybody else, and I can't even imagine that. And it's a government saying, you're accepted. Mm. You're special. Mm. Um I feel like this is what the world is doing now. They're doing it through Twitter and Facebook or the governments. They're all saying, if you have this, then you're approved. Mm. If you don't believe these things, you're a problem. Mm -hmm. That's the way it used to be with kings and everything else. No, America has always said, I don't pay for the sins of my father. Mm. My father could have been the worst black bart black hearted guy ever mm-hmm. but that's not me no i don't pay his debts i don't i'm not held responsible for the things he did mm-hmm. it's me mm-hmm. but i don't think we're headed as a world in that direction anymore yeah i mean i think it's important for this is why uh, you know you were asking me at the beginning of this conversation about why i speak out mm-hmm. why why i do what i do and it's because i think Everybody who is sane and reasonable and rational, I feel, has a duty to. Because if people don't, if people think it's bad now, I mean, think of some of the, think back to 2009. There's a lot of stuff happening now that 
if in 2009 you said would start happening, people would have been like, oh, come on, that's not going to happen in 10 I, years. Or, I right? know, I've yeah, said them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know what okay, they said. Okay, so I tell, what I tell people is like, okay, well, if you're worried about speaking out now or you're worried about this ostracization or cancel culture, whatever it is, it's like, if you don't and you let the people who we all are saying are, are a crazy, loud, fringe minority, if you let them set all the rules and boundaries, then think to 2029. 20, what's, what's the situation going to be like then? Do you think it's going to be better? It's not. It's only going to be better if people actually use their voices to have these discussions and conversations and, you know, think, OK, what, what are the best what 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 are the boundaries? What should the boundaries be? How can people um, touching on what you were saying earlier? We're, we're missing this idea of salvation and forgiveness. That's something that I'm noticing now. It's like, no, if someone did something bad, what someone wrote a bad tweet 10 years ago. There is no forgiveness. And you you. You can't forgive them. There's no route to salvation. They need to be canceled forever. They can't work again and they can't feed their family. They just need to be totally ostracized. That's going back to like a very primitive way of thinking. Oh, I think, I mean, I don't know if you're religious, but it, it's, I think it is a religion. Mm. It's just the opposite of Christianity. Mm. It's the opposite of a, of a loving, forgiving society. I think it's, it's, it's evil mm. uh, myself. It is you have to confess your climate sins. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to purge yourself. Climate you justice have, is a right. Uh, social justice. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as social justice. Life is unfair. Mm-hmm. It is our job to try to navigate that and try to make the world a better place. But you, you cannot. Man cannot make the sins of the past right. You can't balance it. No. Can't. Someone will always get the shaft. And then where's their justice? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a religion. If you don't practice the religion exactly the way the popes of that religion say, mm-hmm. you're out. Mm-hmm. You're a heretic. Mm-hmm. You're a witch. Burn them at the stake. Yep. And those people get the worst treatment, right? Apostates. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people have called it a secular religion. It uh, is. Because that, that's, that's really what... It is. Yeah. It's uh, it's weird. But yeah, I mean, coming back to that point, I do think people just need to people need to speak out because a lot of people are living in in fear and just worry about this, this whole thing. And it's uh, it's weird because I'll get messages or talk to people from primarily in the UK, USA, Canada, the freest countries in the world at the freest time that's ever existed. And some of them are talking like they're like they're hostages. And they can't say this and they can't say that. And they're worried about this. And they're, and I'm, you know, this isn't saying you just say whatever the first thing comes to your brain and everybody talks with no filter. That's not what, that's not what we're saying. It's just saying you've got an ability, not just an ability, but also a duty. If you think something is going wrong, you think something is going sideways, you think something's a really bad idea, which is being promoted at your university or your workplace or whatever it is, then you need to say something it's your it's your job to object you can't just let everything slide if people feel like we're sliding into craziness then i'm like well it's because you're letting you're letting it happen you're letting two percent of the population dictate to the other 98 percent it is exactly the mistakes made in the 1930s in germany Hmm. you know it was the i i wondered um you know a few years back how did you get an entire population that only voted 30% for the Nazis? Mm-hmm. How'd you get an entire population to do that? Yeah. How'd you do that? They'd beat you in the streets if you didn't. Mm-hmm. 
um, and people didn't they weren't willing to stand up to that very small. And so they would just talk in their own things. Mm -hmm. And eventually the Nazis would say, if you were caught talking, I mean, it's the people who didn't believe in the Nazi philosophy at the very beginning, when they were in the majority, Mm -hmm. they would whisper. Mm -hmm. But the minority would not. The minority made it very clear who they were and no one stood up against it. And before you knew it, all those whispers started to be killed. Mm -hmm. I I don't see a difference here. Do you know the craziest thing about everything we're saying here is that if you take a hyper partisan on either side, they'll think you're talking about the other side. Right. That's the weirdest thing. It is. <laughs> That's it the is. weirdest thing about the whole thing, it right? Is. Someone will be listening to this and they'll be thinking one thing. Someone else will be thinking, listening and they'll be thinking the, thinking the other. And you, you see so, that all the time. So I have a theory. Yeah. If you look at a, a football field, a rugby field, is a rugby field 100 rugby yards? Field. Ooh, I don't actually know the length. Okay, so. It's a little uh, bit shorter, but oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. A football field is 100 yards. Okay. okay. The first 15 yards... On the right, filled with nuts. First 15 yards on the left, filled with nuts. The rest of it, and I'm not saying that you're in the middle. I'm saying you're just not part of the fringe that wants to pull everything down or kill or shut up Mm -hmm. everybody who disagrees with you. Mm -hmm. There might, and I'm being, I think I'm being generous by saying 15%. I I bet you there's 8% maybe or 5% on each side. Um, and everybody else is being controlled by these two sides. Mm-hmm. And they're making these. This side is making everyone think that this side is 50 percent of the field. And this side is doing the same. Yeah. It's not. No. There's all these people right here that believe strongly in what they believe, but they don't want to kill each other or silence one another. Yeah, it's it's the people who can't have a laissez-faire attitude, right? It's, you know, everyone has their different beliefs, whether they're political or religious or ideological. You know, I think most reasonable people are totally accepting of that fact and are willing to live and let live. The problem is always going to be radical people, extremists, who can't practice live and let live. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's political. It doesn't matter if it's religious. Those are always the people who cause the problems. Because they can't just, it's, it has to be, well, I believe this, so everybody else must, or everybody else who doesn't is evil, or is terrible, or must be conquered, or whatever the case may be. That's the attitude that leads to, always leads to problems. So you've always got to keep those extremists and radicals in check, right? You don't want to be uh, excusing their behavior, mm-hmm. or saying, oh, okay, well, there. They're kind of on our side, so let's they're not let's lessen the things. Yeah, that's, they're not. really not. Anybody who wants to control what everybody else thinks, and you have them on both sides, mm-hmm. anybody who wants to control or tell anyone how to live their life and you must comply is yeah. not on my side. Any way, shape, or form, they're not on my side. They're, and they're a lot more similar to each other than they'd probably like oh, to admit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a circle, and they're both right here. Yeah. Well, the rest of us are around here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you just said something that was interesting because you kind of, you know, you talked about a laissez-faire attitude, but then you also say, you got to stand up mm-hmm. and, and stop this. Mm-hmm. How do you put those two together? Easily. So you've got to stop when people are trying to 
when someone's coming from an authoritarian perspective, mm-hmm. trying to encroach on people's ability to live and let live, right? So it's 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 simple. It's live and let live. But if someone starts treading on your toes in that regard, if someone is trying to um, block out the idea of free speech, mm-hmm. if someone is trying to force other people to use words or terms or speak in certain ways, if someone is trying to force people to believe in or not believe in whatever religion or political philosophy or whatever it is, that's when you need to stand up. So in other words, if, yeah, it, it's, I'm, I'm not for gun. I'm not for gun control at all. I'm a big Second Amendment guy. Okay. However, I am a big law enforcement guy as well. Mm-hmm. You use that gun improperly. You don't have that right anymore. Yeah. Anymore. Is that kind of the thing you're you're talking about? That you have. We have to live together. Yeah. Unless you're treading on me. Exactly. Exactly. That that's. That's the or thing. someone else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, and that's when that's what I'm saying about when people need to stand up because a lot of the encroachment, that's what it is. It's it's the desire to take away people's you know, basic freedom, starting with the freedom to talk, mm-hmm. to speak. Right. Anytime someone comes with something which is trying to force people to speak in certain ways, that should set off alarm bells for people. Mm hmm. Right. Because that's not how that's the most fundamental concept. And to someone who doesn't believe in free speech, it's and, you know, these people do exist. You've got you've got people now questioning, oh, is free speech really a good idea? What about this? What about that? And, you know, for those people, especially if they're coming from um, a more left perspective, it's important to explain to them that all of the movements that they support, whether you're talking about um, women's rights or, you know, black rights, the civil rights movements, all those. All the way all back starts, to Moses. It all starts with free speech. It all starts with the ability to speak and dissent and ask questions and have discussions. That's where it all stems from. So, so should so should do the um, the Facebooks, the Twitters of the world. That is the public square now. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I could be heard out at, you know, the shopping center or the center of town. That's not the same. Mm-hmm. This is the public square. Mm-hmm. So do do they have a responsibility to shut people down or do they have a responsibility to make sure that everyone has a fair platform? That it is their everyone is equal voice and let the people decide. Mm. It's a, it's a big question, and it's something a lot of people are discussing at the moment. I do personally think that the solution is fairly simple, which is that I I don't think it's something that needs to. You've got a lot of people talking about um, you know governmental regulation and things like that. I mean, these are generally they you know technically they are they are private companies. Mm-hmm. I think from from my perspective, what they really need to do is. You know, they can have they can have their their rules and their regulations and they probably should for a lot of reasons, obvious one being to, you know, keep users on their platform and to protect their own their own profits is simply to have a rule book, a clear, clear defined rules that are not open to huge amounts of subjective opinion and ideas. These these are the rules and these are the consequences if you break them. And that needs to be very clear to everybody not 
with political bias or ideological bias or anything like that. Look, this is what you can do on this platform. And, you know, whether we like you or we don't like you or we agree with you, or you disagree, if you don't break the rules, we will not deplatform you. If you do continuously break the rules, maybe you have a strike system. Okay, if you do it the first time, 24, 24 a day ban. Next, second time, a week. Last time, maybe two years, maybe three years. I, don't, I think the lifetime ban thing is pretty stupid. I don't think anybody should be getting lifetime bans. If, you, know, you broke Twitter's rules in 2005 and you still can't be on the platform even 10 years. Like, that's, that's silly. So I think that's, I think that's what pe- most people would agree with and want, whether you're talking about Twitter or YouTube or Facebook, any of these things. It's just the rules are not, don't feel well-defined. And, and you can find examples of, okay, this person, this person clearly broke the rules. Correct. And they're fine. This person, mm, we're not sure how they broke the rules, but they are Gone. kicked off. And that doesn't instill confidence in people. When Barack Obama was elected, uh, he was elected for a couple of reasons. But his campaign slogan was, and I think a lot of people bought into it, was hope and change. Mm-hmm. And they wanted change. They wanted something to be transparent. They wanted to know what was real. They wanted mm-hmm. to know what was really going on. And they wanted their... their um, leaders to be held accountable don't we both have leaders now donald trump and uh uh, boris johnson aren't they really the same guy not the hair or anything else (laughs) but aren't they really the same guys that they're wrecking balls because people aren't Mm. getting what they are truly desiring Mm -hmm. and that is transparency Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm not I'm not a political expert, but from what I've gathered, it doesn't matter the country. What I seem to notice is that if people if there's a general strong feeling of people being disgruntled and unsatisfied or upset or angry, whatever the case may be, they will normally just vote for the op, the change option. OK, so. After, um, I mean, with the U.S., for example, I I know that during um, George W. Bush's presidency and the Iraq war and all that stuff, people were just Mm -hmm. people were fed up with that. Mm -hmm. People didn't want that anywhere. Mm -hmm. People didn't want that anymore. Obama ran against McCain. Right. I think McCain seemed kind of like, oh, we'll probably get more of the same Mm -hmm. with him. Right. Obama was like, "Okay, this is the option for change. Mm -hmm. So people voted for change Mm -hmm. after eight years of Barack Obama. People were feeling a similar way for different reasons in large numbers. And people thought, oh, Hillary Clinton, that's going to be kind of more of the same. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump, massive wild card, but that's the option for change. And so that's that's generally how I kind of almost predict elections will go. Well, we're probably going to see Elizabeth Warren Mm -hmm. as the the candidate against Donald Trump, who's Mm -hmm. a socialist. Sure. That's never happened in America. Um, that's big change. It is, yeah. It is. You know, being in America now for a few weeks this time around, one thing I can say is that I feel like I can better understand some of the deep down concerns of both sides of the political aisle. And I can understand where... So Tell me what you learned. Okay. So I went to... Uh, so I went to Los Angeles and San Francisco. I spent three weeks in California in you know, two of the main cities. And the levels of drug addiction and homelessness and people just living in tents and 
talking to themselves and doing like I, doing hard drugs and I saw I, I've traveled pretty wildly widely I've been to 30 something countries probably about 100 different cities and I saw stuff in LA and San Francisco I have never seen anywhere else in the world wow. which shocked me which really truly shocked me so I can understand how somebody could could see that and think the solution is okay we need some more you know aspects of socialism we need to we need to help these people through the government we can't have people i i can i can empathize with that position regardless of whether i i agree or disagree with it i can understand that i can also understand the perspective of you know having talking to people there and people are saying oh well you know the drugs people are using now are different drugs you know they're saying this is this is fentanyl this is stuff that's mm-hmm. coming off of the board like so i can also understand people saying okay we need to build that wall and mm-hmm. stop these drugs from coming in and wrecking our own citizens so i can and also looking at the policies that enable people to to camp out and use hard drugs in public and mm-hmm. defecate in public and you know commit crimes mm-hmm. that you know, something like if, if the crime, I think in San Francisco, if the value of the crime is below $950, if people shoplift, if people break into cars, they can get it. And all this stuff was mind blowing to me. I was just yeah. like, what? Like in the UK, you, you can't, you know, maybe the police can be overzealous sometimes, yeah. but you can't, you can't do meth in the park in public. Right. You, you can't know? go you, you can't, steal $900 no, worth of stuff. No, you can't just go and steal stuff. Away and, with it. No, you know, you, you can't do that. So I was confused by that level of law lawlessness, which is also... Enabling and encouraging mm-hmm. this behavior, so I did have that kind of realization point where I was like, "Wow, okay, I can, I can get where people are coming from in this regard." Because I always thought that that aspect of things, you know, the the drug addiction, the homelessness levels, I I did think that was being exaggerated online. Mm-hmm. Right before I traveled, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, you're going to Los Angeles. You're going to oh, watch out for that. Watch out for poop. Watch out for needles." So, and I was like, "Okay, that's probably people being a little bit facetious." Mm-hmm. And then I got there and I saw it with my own eyes and I was like, okay, this is not, this is not a joke. This is, this is real. This, this is actually, serious. This is, yeah, this is, I'm seeing it with my own two eyes now. Yeah. And this, this the is whole serious. West coast is starting to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one thing where I was like, okay, this is not overblown. And I don't, I don't have and know all of the solutions, um, but I can empathize now better with people who would see that and have maybe have very different ideas of what the best way to mm-hmm. deal with it is. Um, so the option they've gone for in those cities is to essentially make it easier for the people saying, okay, yeah, you can set up a tent anywhere. Okay. We're not going to prosecute you, you know, for doing drugs. Okay. We will hand out fresh needles, that kind of thing. Or I don't, in my own perspective, I don't think that's the right direction to go, but that's, mm-hmm. that's the way they've gone and that's the way mm-hmm. they're doing it. Um, but I can, yeah, I can, I can, understand the more the root see the, and, the and, root cause for that and in america what has always happened before is we were set up in many ways like europe mm. um and a european union that might have worked we were set up as 50 different laboratories mm-hmm. and you do whatever you want it's your state yeah. you make the call you don't violate these 10 things uh, but you know um do it mm. now with somehow or another, the lines of the difference between the state and federal governments have been so blurred that you, it, the, the federal government is, is, is now starting to tell everyone you have to do it this way. 
look, if California wanted to be socialist mm-hmm. and they wanted to have poop running in their streets and that's fine and they really felt that was the right thing, mm. fine. You know what? In the end, they might find a way that it, it all works. And if it all worked mm. and it was a better system, Texans would adopt it. Mm. But, you know I mean? but a lot of people are fleeing from California to Texas right now. Right. Because of it. Right. And so we're, I think what's happening to us is, for instance, I mean, you said something, um, I mean, because you've you're kind of. I say a lot of things. I know. You, well, you're kind of, <laughs> I mean, you really kind of came to play um, with, uh, you know, breaking the world record. <laughs> I know you didn't officially, but, uh, you know, you were dead weightlifting uh, more than the, the record of women. Yeah. And you were identifying as a woman. It's insane. But you said on Rogan, you said, we're living in a time in which gender is a spectrum and politics is binary. Mm. How did we get there? Oh, boy. <laughs> and how do we get back? Do yeah. we get back? It's wow. It's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, yeah, it's it's weird because, yeah, the reason I said that is because, uh, I mean, even even with myself. I'm, I'm someone who people, especially now that I've risen to a, a little bit more prominence is a lot of people want to, I'm finding a lot of people want to label me. Everybody wants to throw a label on me. Everyone wants to be a Zuby is this, or he's that, or he's he conservative or libertarian or like every, everyone wants, everyone wants to label me. And you know, I, I don't, to some degree, I don't mind what mm-hmm. someone wants to say. Oh, Zuby's conservative. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, kick up a fight or whatever. I'd like to just consider myself a a thinker and i don't think you know the point of what i was saying there is you've got hundreds of millions billions of people in the world and the idea that everyone is on the right or on the left is very weird and strange to me and and that doesn't that really doesn't make sense that's an actual real social construct that's the idea that there's you know even though i i think a lot of it stems from the fact that in most countries you've got two major parties so in the UK, you've got the Republicans and the Democrats. In the UK, sorry, in the US, you've got Republicans and Democrats. In the UK, you've got uh, Labour and Conservative. And you know, funnily enough, they're both red and blue, although the colors are switched around in each country. Mm. And so people want to kind of siphon people off in these boxes. And once you've got someone in that box, you can then assume all of this stuff about them. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're someone who just believes that conservatives are evil and they hate the poor and they don't like immigrants and all that, you know, all the misconceptions mm-hmm. that people may have then it, it kind of makes it i think it's people's brains just trying to find an easy way to categorize mm-hmm. the world and other people um and so yeah the reason i said that is just to you know remind people look it's a lot more complicated than that and anyone who is remotely thinking for themselves won't align absolutely hard down hard line down either way because that doesn't that doesn't make it's not sense. Real? No, no. That that doesn't make sense. If if I come across someone who agrees with absolutely every line down a politician's manifesto or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm questioning. I'm, are you really considering these things? Especially if they they agree with all this and then they totally disagree with all the other ones. Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like you know you can mm-hmm. agree with that and oh I agree with that one there. Oh but that not one anymore. there. Yeah, and you're it, a traitor. Yeah. If you don't walk the line yeah, on yeah. either side. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's silly, you know, and in terms of how to get over that, I think it comes from getting out of, I mean, that in itself is a, it's a, it's still a form of identity politics, really. 
um, and it's getting away from this idea of identity politics. It doesn't matter what level it's on. It, it's all it's just a bit of a, a poisonous attitude and it's not very human and it takes away and it, it causes people to focus on differences rather than commonalities. I mean, if, if you go out there and you don't know, you're, you're playing sports or you're just going to watch a movie or you're going to theater or whatever, you're just interacting in public. You're not out there thinking, Hmm, who here is a, who here is a, <laughs> on the red team and who's, who's, who's on the blue team, right? You're just, you're just there, you're having fun, you're mixing, you're mingling, whatever. Politics normally won't even come up. If it does, most people will just talk. You might disagree, you might agree, and then you carry on. You don't hate each other, you don't fight each other. Um, that's generally how the real world tends to, tends to work. So I think the focus needs to be on focusing on the commonalities rather than the differences. This goes with other forms of identity politics, whether people are talking race or gender or sexuality. I don't know why those are the three ones that people always focus on. I don't know why it's not height, eye color and hair length. Like, I mean, it, it could be anything, right? It could be anything, but people get obsessed with that and it causes people to view the world through a framework where the differences are highlighted rather than the commonalities being highlighted, right? They're, view, they're walking around and thinking, ooh, what skin color is everybody? Or ooh, what gender is everybody? And everything gets filtered through that. And it makes it harder to just view people as individuals and as humans and to treat them kindly and with compassion and with empathy and to discuss and to try to just converse with each other like normal human beings <laughs> without just coming back to these totally arbitrary and immutable, largely, characteristics, which doesn't make sense. I, I feel like... But are we being more stereotypical human beings today mm. and less stereotypical human beings with what you're suggesting? Um, sorry, I'm not sure I totally get the question. The question is, uh, our nature is to categorize. Mm -hmm. Our nature is to make snap judgments. Okay, I our, get you. Our, so we are actually, mm. uh, we've regressed. Mm -hmm. We've mm. regressed back into these this tribal animal I got you. thing. I think tribalism is innate mm -hmm. in all species. It's absolutely in human beings. It's we've imperative. all got, yeah, we, we've all got tribalism. So I think the key is to make the tribe as big as you can. Mm -hmm. Right. So the, in the, in the U S the American tribe, mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Not the black American tribe and mm -hmm. the white American tribe and the, uh, female white American tribe and the black lesbian, um, whatever. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Yeah. Like you, you, that's what people are, are trying to do and how people are trying to break the categories down. But what's the commonality here? The commonality is American beyond that. The commonality is human. Mm -hmm. So if people can, you know, maybe, maybe we're still too primitive for this, but if we can sort of transcend upwards to that top category, well, I thought we just, were on that road for a long time. Yeah, we were, life, but, um, Social justice has just said, we're just going to turn the pyramid upside yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the power was up here. Mm -hmm. Fine, we're just going to turn it upside down. It, and now yeah. the power will be here, and you'll be the low man on the totem pole. Yeah. That, that's that, that, because that's trying to right the wrongs mm -hmm. of the past instead of don't make the same mistake. Yeah, exactly.
Do you see us, because I think this is just a pendulum swing that mm-hmm. always happens. It's an 80-year pendulum, pendulum swing. And this, this time, I think it is, uh, it's swinging, uh, partly its natural swing is an overcorrection. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw problems, and now we're just overcorrecting. Yeah. Um, and when we get back down here towards the center, it'll be great. Mm-hmm. But we will overcorrect from mm-hmm. this. We'll overcorrect again. Yeah, and that's one of that's one of the general concerns. That's a real concern because that's something you're seeing somewhat popping up in Europe, for example. Oh yeah, right. In Europe, in certain countries, you are getting a rise in you know legitimately what could be considered far right nationalistic frightening movements mm-hmm. and. People are, again, people are questioning why this is happening. And it's like, it's because, you know, it's, 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 it's reactionary, right? If something swings too hard that way, you're going to get things. And the people in the middle are not, people in the middle are really important. You know, especially if they're in positions of power, they need to address people's concerns and actually listen to the, the people. That's what they're there for. Um, I think this is a slight side note. I think when people get in, involved in politics and th- this goes with any any public official. I think people need to, whether you're talking about police officers or you're talking Mm. about politicians, people need to remember they work for you. Mm -hmm. The police work for you. The police work for the people you literally pay their salary. And policemen need to remember that. Right. Right. Right? I think if someone could be in the police force for 10, 20, 30 years, and, and it's easier for them to forget that they work for the people, not, not the other way around. Politicians work for the people. Mm-hmm. And so people need to hold them accountable, right? They, it's not just their job to, oh, like I'm, I'm in this position of power and I can run roughshod over everybody and there can be votes and I can ignore the, like, that's, that's like, no, that's not, that's not, that's not how it works. Um, so, so I went off on a little tangent there and I, I lost my uh, previous. We were threat. talking about swing. We were talking oh, about the swing. swing. Yeah. Swinging back. And I, I'm, mm. You know, the last time we saw this kind of swing and the world was in this kind of turmoil, it, it resulted in World War II. Thanks. Um, it's the same seeds being planted again. Uh, there are tripwires in the United States. The Second Amendment is one of them. Mm-hmm. That's a tripwire. Um, we will go to war with ourselves if that is, if that right is violated. Mm-hmm. We will also, I think, go to war over the First Amendment. Um, but that one's a little harder to pin down. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why do you, if you think that's the case, do you, why do you think you've got politicians and parties that are pushing in that direction? Great. Do you think they don't recognize question. that? Or? No, okay. that's not a possibility to me. Okay. Um, because there's a new study out by a, a group on the left that shows that that is true, that the people who believe in the Second Amendment, they are not extremists mm-hmm. at this point. The fastest way to push them into extremism is to violate the Second Amendment. You go collect guns mm-hmm. and you will you will set those people off. OK. Um, and uh, those people are just normal people right now. Yeah. If you know that information, you're it's, it's the perfect question. You're the only one that I've heard ask that. Why would you do that? Mm. I think there are I think there are people who just don't know, who just don't care to know because they think their side is right mm. on both sides. Um, and I think there are those who wish to set the world on fire. You know, Fabian socialism. Mm. Uh, let's mold the world a little closer to our heart's desire by heating the world up. Yeah. Is there a tripwire for 
England? Is 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 this hmm. is this Brexit? Because we would have been rioting in the streets by now. Uh, <laughs> English people are pretty calm. Man. I know British people are. Like, I mean, if, if you is, did this in France, like France, they love to protest. Right, right. France people love to strike. People love to protest, and right. that that's kind of in their culture. Right. This Brexit thing mm. passes, and they miss this deadline, and yeah. they come up with a new law. They're like, hey, you got to revote again, or whatever it is. Is there anything that would take the English? It's a good question. You know, part I don't know. The Swedes are are experiencing trouble. Mm. Germans are. Mm. Italians are. Greeks always. Yeah. Spain, France, mm. and I see this big snub, this big you know uh, fu yeah. to the people of the Ukraine of the UK, and it seems like everybody's like. Yeah, but let's have some tea. <laughs> yeah, British people are uh, in you know the whole stiff upper lip thing. That is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it is part of British culture. I think you know to not be too. What's the word? To be quite diplomatic, very diplomatic, and not try to make a fuss over I- things too much in so in terms of tripwires i i believe they i believe they exist but it would be hard for me to say specifically what it is what i think a tripwire would be like i don't think you know with all the turmoil and back and forth around brexit i don't actually think it's a if if you're talking about a tripwire in terms of things defending it descending into some kind of violence or or just a a real uprising. uprising yeah i don't know if it's a tripwire but um, I like I said, I think the bigger concern, if that were to happen, would be the reactionary movements on the opposite mm-hmm. on the opposite side. I think that's a bigger concern because that would just give them a, a, a nice opening for, you know, mm-hmm. people who with legitimately bad ideas and bad motives to, you know, grab some of those people who are feeling disenfranchised or kind of homeless and disappointed It'll give them a chance to kind of seize those people and, you know, radicalize them to a degree. So I think that's what people really need to be concerned about. You know, whatever side of the political spectrum somebody's on, that's where people need to be understanding. That's also why people need to be willing to sit down and talk across party lines, across political lines and discuss and have conversations and not try to, you know, we've got this weird thing now where. People want to be like, oh, you spoke to that person who spoke to that person who spoke to that person. Mm -hmm. So therefore you're associated with that person or you endorse all their ideas or something. It's like, why why can't people have conversations? Mm -hmm. You know, people are saying, oh, no, don't. That's Chinese social scores. Yeah. And it's 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 crazy. And that's another thing that I believe people need to stand up against. There are so many people. I mean, even with myself, there are people who have said, no, don't talk to that person. Oh, yeah. People said, oh, don't go on the Ben Shapiro show. Don't go on the Jero. People tell me not to go on the Jero. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, why? Why would I? Why would I? Oh, because he spoke to that person who was associated with that person. I'm like, come on, come off it. Like, that's that's ridiculous. How do you think you can't complain about division and polarization mm-hmm. and then not be willing to talk to people? I mean, how do you think division and polarization <laughs> happen? And and even you know, from a tactical perspective, that's how people get blindsided by things, right? Um, when I was in California, I could understand again, I could understand how and why people got totally blindsided by Trump's victory. I didn't get blindsided by it. And I live in the UK, right? Mm. But I could see, oh, wow, if you're living in this San Francisco bubble where 
85% of people vote Democrat or whatever it is. And everyone's kind of just on the same page in that regard. And you assume everybody else is like that. I can totally see how you would not have seen that mm-hmm. coming whatsoever. Because nobody here, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, it seemed like, okay, 100% here. And uh, it was the same thing in Brexit. You know, a lot of people who live in London especially were really blindsided by the Brexit vote. And there's a danger of people becoming too siloed. They end up in echo chambers. And again, whether or not people agree or disagree with each other, it's important to be able to just, for your own self, have an awareness of what's going on out there. And in terms of being able to relate with other people and understand other perspectives, it's good to talk to people who disagree with you. And then you can understand them. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed in a way that I'm, <laughs> I'm often surrounded by people who disagree with me <laughs> on, a, on a lot of major things. Isn't that great, right? though? And I so I, I'm very comfortable mm-hmm. with being able to explain why I believe what I believe in certain regards or mm-hmm. uh, stand up for my beliefs. Because I'm constantly being, you know, that challenge is, is constantly there. It's good. Whereas if it, whereas if I were just in the in the majority all the time and just surrounded by people who think exactly like me, then firstly I might not even know where those beliefs come from and not be able to articulate why I believe what I believe. Um, but then yeah, if someone comes with a pin and you know pop, pop, puts a little hole in my balloon, then I've got no tools to. And and, and I mean I, I see that happen all the time. Like there are those, sometimes I'll talk to someone and because oftentimes with me people will. Think I believe things that I don't, right? All the time. <laughs> How many people believe I think believe in things that I don't? And they'll go, and then I'll just ask a basic question, and they're like, oh, "What?" You know, they, they haven't even thought of. They haven't thought of why they kind of believe what they do because they didn't expect me to question it because mm-hmm. nobody else has been questioning it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Have you never considered that? You've never considered the opposite side." I mean, I like to always know the best argument on any 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 issue that i'm interested in or care about i want to know the best argument for and against it because then i can well one i can come to my own conclusion or maybe hang somewhere in the middle but i can also just understand where each side is coming from and you see this on a lot of hot button topics where you can just tell that this person has never even considered the opposite side and that person has never even considered the opposite side because what they're saying doesn't even make sense or what they think the other side believes is totally wrong. And you see this on a lot of different issues and you're just like, huh, have you even spoken to, have you even spoken to anybody about this? Where did you get that mm-hmm. idea from? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. So your mom and dad believe that anything you believe you're going to do and you'll accomplish it. Mm-hmm. I believe that too. Uh, so if that's true, where are you going to be in five years? Wow. Um, who will you be in five years? What impact will you be making and how, what do you, where are you going to be? I will, I will absolutely still be Zuby. Uh, hopefully a better, smarter, stronger, more refined version of him. Um, but I want to be doing everything I currently do just on a larger scale. I, I love what I do. I love, I love making music. I enjoy doing, having conversations like this. I enjoy public speaking. I enjoy doing podcasts, using my voice essentially to put out everything I said at the beginning of this podcast to the world. Truth, authenticity, 
positivity, inspiration, understanding, helping people understand that they've got a potential that they can achieve and reach. So in five years time, I would like to have an audience in the millions and be traveling nationally, internationally for both my music, speaking, podcast, whatever it is that I do, I want to be doing all, I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm on the path I already want to be on. It's just a matter of reaching more and more people through it. Um, I don't, I don't set any ceilings for what I'm able to achieve. I'd like to reach and have an impact on as many people as I possibly can and as are willing to listen and take on board some of the things that I'm saying. And I won't, you know, totally change who I am or anything like that just in order to try to reach more people. Uh, that's not, those aren't compromises I'm willing to make. But um, I know I've got an audience out there, some of who have already discovered me and following me, some of who haven't heard of me yet, but I want to try to reach as many of them as I can. It is refreshing and nice to meet somebody new uh, that uh, knows who they are, knows where they came from, and knows where they're going. And I agree with your parents. You will, you will arrive wherever you set your mind. And let me know how I can help and how we can help. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Just a reminder... I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 